Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. Perhaps Ahud was seen as disabled in his right hand, and that's why he could gain access to the king. He was not a threat to the king. Why? He doesn't carry a sword on his left side. Because you would carry a sword here and draw it out this way. So he can't do it. They looked at his little hand. His, his hand is hindered somehow and said he can't function. He's no threat. So he was accessible to the king as the leader of the commission that was sent to pay tribute to King Eglon because that's what you do. You pay tribute. You give taxes. You give your part to them. And he was not considered a threat to the king. I believe, listen, I believe that our enemy, Satan, I believe our enemy, Satan, looks at a lot of people that are, maybe they're handicapped or disabled or they think they are, and he said, you know, hey, they're no threat to me. They're not going to, they're, they're not worried, they're not going to do anything against me. And so they don't do anything. And sadly, I think there are some people in the church, I think there, there, there are some people in the church, they say, uh, they, these people can't offer much, and I, and I don't want to get into to things, but I, this past Wednesday we had a meeting at the church and all that stuff, and you know, we were talking about, hey, we run about 100 in the, in the second service, we run about 65 in the first service, and, and somebody said, well, yeah, but the people in the second service, some of them can't vote. And I said, yeah, but those 10-year-olds count. Those 10-year-olds count. Those little 8-year-olds, They count. They count. But I'm afraid sometimes we, 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 we build up this image. Those people can't work. Those people can't serve. Those people can't do They don't have anything to offer. And we're buying, into the, we're buying into what Satan says. Only those who are talented. Only those who are skilled. Only those who have abilities. That's the only ones God can use. And what we do is we stagnate the church. And we hinder the church of the living God. And I think of a woman by the name of Joni Erickson Tata who as a teenager dove into the, into the lake and broke her neck. She could have said, God, how can you use me? I have no access to my arms. I have no access to my legs. I'm an invalid. And look what God's done with her. He used her to inspire and motivate and encourage Christians all over the world. God turned her disability into an ability. Listen, if you want God to work through you, my dear friends, you've got to reject the prerequisites of man. You've got to reject it. And don't listen to that. Second truth, you've got to remember the power of God. Look at verses 18 and 19. After Ahod had presented the tribute, he sent on their way the men who had carried it. At the idols near Gilgal, he himself turned back and said, I have a secret message for you. Oh, king. Here's what's going on. Ahud has went. He's given tribute to King Eglon and to his, to his men. And then they've made their way out. And as they're making their way out, uh, they, they come to a place. And Ahud says, I, I've changed my mind. I've got to go back and tell the king something different. What was it that made Ahud change his mind? What was it that he saw 
that made him change his mind. The scripture is very clear that when they got to the idols near Gilgal, he himself turned back and said. What did he see? What did the idols at Gilgal tell him? What was it that that spoke to him? Now, you're going to have to give me a little creative room here, okay? Give me a little creative license, a little poetic license uh, to deal with this. Uh, because most, most people do not believe this Gilgal is the same one that happened 200 years earlier. But let's go back in time. Let's go back 200 years before this, this book was written, 200 years before this incident, to a time that uh, probably one of the greatest testimonies of faith that the people of Israel had. The people of Israel were on the other side of the Jordan River. They hadn't quite entered into the Promised Land. They haven't conquered Jericho yet. They're on the other side of the Jordan. And Joshua, who's now leading the people of Israel, says, we're going to go to the other side and we're going to take the, take the, the promised land, but we've got to get across the Jordan River. Not a big deal. During normal, you could probably walk across the Jordan River. But during this particular time, the Jordan River was at flood stage, a mile wide, and you could be swept away by the current. But Joshua said, hey, we're over here, but we're going to get on that other side. And so he said, we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to go across the river. Now listen to what happens in Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future... When your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now, 200 years later, Ahud and his men go past another Gilgal, the idols at Gilgal. And could he perhaps look at that? And he sees the idols that the people of Israel are now supposed to obey, the people of Israel are supposed to worship, that they are supposed to bow down to. And Ahud says, you know what? I've had enough of this crap. I'm not going to do this anymore. My God is powerful. I am not going to bow down these idols. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, what I should have done in the first place. And he went back. That's what I'm telling you by remembering the power of God. In that situation, perhaps he remembered what God had done in the past to set his people free. It reminds us that we serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. And He can do incredibly more than we think or we imagine. He's a powerful God. And when you begin to think about what God did in the past, guess what? It restores your confidence. It kind of gives you that ability to move forward. Let me ask you a question. Are you in a place where you think you are disabled in some way? Are you in a place where you don't think you have anything that you can give to God? Weren't you disabled when you came to Christ? 
When, didn't you, when you come to Jesus, say, Jesus, I don't have anything to offer you. I have nothing to give you. Wasn't that the way you were when you came to Jesus? Didn't you say, there's nothing good in me, Jesus? Matter of fact, the Bible says, do I need to remind you of this? The Bible says, all of your righteous acts are like filthy rags. There's nothing you can do. Nothing that pleases God for you. Maybe you just need to confess that now. Maybe you need to confess, God, I know there's nothing good in me. But I know that in many ways I'm disabled. I'm handicapped, God, and I know that you can't do it. Think back to the time you came to Christ. Think back to that time when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Didn't you feel like you could take on the world? Didn't you feel like there was nothing insurmountable to you? Didn't the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit come into your heart and say, we can take this world for Jesus? But somewhere, something happened in your life. He said, God can't really use me. I don't really have anything God could do. And so you just sit and you soak and you sour. And you do nothing. And the world passes you by. The movement of God passes you by. And you say, why is God working in other people's lives and He's not working in mine? Why is He working in other churches and He's not working in mine? Because you forgot the power of God. You forgot to remember the power of God. Listen, my friends, hear me on this. God is still at work. God is still changing lives. God is still delivering people from their sins. He's still delivering people from the strongholds and the strangleholds of their lives. Ahud could have thought as he remembered that story, he could have said, ah, man, Joshua was a super saint. There is no way I could ever follow Joshua. But did you know what the Bible says? That Joshua was a fraidy cat? Yeah, he was a scaredy cat. In chapter 1 of Joshua, God says three times, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Perhaps Joshua could look, oh man, I'm following Moses. Ah, I mean Moses. And I've got to follow him. It would have been very easy to cower. So I can't live up to the rep. I can't do it. But Joshua did it. And Ahud remembers that. And he says, if God could use Joshua, he can use me. He can use anyone. Anyone. Remember his power. Remember the power of God. Think back to what he's done in the past and claim it and remember it. Third truth, redeem the purposes for God. What are the purposes of God? Here's what they are. Hear me on this. That people might be set free and have abundant life and bring honor to the God who treated them. I'm going to say it again. I want you to hear me. I want us to be on the same page. That people might be set free and have abundant life and bring honor to the God who created them. After Ahab told, the, told his colleagues to go home, he told the king, I have a message to deliver. I have a message to deliver. So he went back. And perhaps because he was hindered in his right hand, he wasn't a threat to the king. And he was alone. What could one left-handed guy do? Or what could one guy hindered in his right hand do to the king? Look at what happens in verses 19 
through 23, the king said, Quiet! And all his attendants left. Ahud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his summer palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ahud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade, which came out his back. Ahud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed in over it. Then Ahud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. He says, King, I've got a message for you. So the king rises up. He leans into here. You know what that message was? Why don't you have a little taste of my little friend right here? And he did what God sent him there to do. But notice, Ahud used the very thing that was unexpected, his left hand. They didn't expect that. They didn't see that coming. And he used that thing that was unexpected to redeem the purposes of God. God raised him up to deliver the people of Israel. He didn't do it for fame. He didn't do it so he could have his name written down in the book of Judges. Uh, he didn't do that so he could be in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the roll call of, of churches. He didn't do that. He didn't do it because he was angry. He did it because that's what God raised him up to do. Listen, when God uses you, it will be because he wants his purposes redeemed. It's not about him making you happy. It's not about him using you to satisfy your whims. It is so that he can use you to accomplish his purposes. When God raises you up. Listen, God's desire is for people to be freed from whatever the bondage, whatever it is holding them back. Listen to the way that Paul said it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. There are people all around us who are in sin. There's people all around us in bondage. They're in some stranglehold or some stronghold of life and they're waiting for somebody to come and deliver them. And will you answer their cries that I will rescue you. I will be your deliverer. That's what God is looking for. So redeem the purpose of God. Finally, look at the last one. Realize the potential of availability. God is not so much interested in your ability as He is your availability. And when God calls you, when God calls you to be a deliverer, and when He uses you in an extraordinary way, guess what? He may use you as a leader. He may use you as an example. Or He may use you as both. That might be what He, do, he does. After He killed Eglon... The Bible says that he, he went out of the upper room and he locked the doors behind him. And, and Eglon's attendant said, I don't know how they thought he was using the bathroom, okay? Uh, the Hebrew is a little bit more explicit. We won't get into that. They thought he was relieving himself. And they said, well, we'll give him some time. And after a long time, almost it was embarrassing them. Man, how long does it take this guy, man? You know, after a long time, they finally said they couldn't get in. And they broke, they got a key and got in. And they found out that Eglon had been killed. But by then, Ahud had made his escape. He'd already vanished. Look at verse 26 through 30. While they waited, Ahud got away. 
He passed by the idols. He passed by the idols, okay, and escaped to Sarah. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down, and taking possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab, they allowed no one to cross over. At the same time, at, the, at that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. Not a man escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. Look at verse 27. It says that he sounded the trumpet. That's a call to arms. It's a call to battle. He sounded the trumpet, and Ahud became the leader of the people. And he cries out in verse 28, follow me! And the people followed him. They followed him. God took a man who was hindered in his right hand, who was handicapped, who some may have said was disabled, and God used him to accomplish his purposes. God took an ordinary individual and he did something extraordinary with him. Was it because he was available to be used by God that others were willing to respond? I have found in my over 30 years in the ministry that when people hear a talented preacher or they hear a talented musician or a talented singer, they say, well, I could never do that. I could never be used by God because I don't have that ability. And they don't ever do anything. They don't ever do anything because they measure themselves by other men. Some people say, you know, I don't have natural giftedness or I don't have extraordinary talent. But listen, when you don't have natural giftedness and you don't have extraordinary talent and you give what you do have to God and God uses you to accomplish something extraordinary, you know what? You're going to encourage other people. Other people said, I can do that. I can do that. God could use me just like he does them. Perhaps you're here today, you're not the most gifted. Maybe you're not the most talented. Maybe you're not the most educated. Maybe you're timid like me and you're shy like me. <laughs> Y'all don't know. That when I was little, I wouldn't come out from behind my mama's dress. And I was that way for a long time. But God was doing something different in my life. In my life. Maybe you're timid. Maybe you're shy. Listen, maybe you don't see anything in you that God can use. Let me tell you something. You are the kind of person that God can use to do extraordinary things. Listen to the way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I always pray this prayer. I say, God, thank you for calling a fool such as I. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that 
No one may boast before Him. No matter whom you are, or what you've done, or where you've been, God can use you. Whatever disability you may think you have, God can turn it into ability. He can do something extraordinary with the ordinary. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe when somebody sees God using you, they'll be inspired to be used by God as well. People just like you, sitting around, waiting, and all of a sudden they see you rise up and they go, hmm, maybe I can be used as well. I want you to know that you can deliver and you can have God work through you. But it's not just a one-time shot. Uh, It's just not one thing. He wants to use you for the rest of your life. Now, he may use an incident in your life as a catalyst to get you going, but he wants to use you for the rest of your life. It says in the Bible that Ahud served as a judge. He served as a rescuer. He served as a deliverer over Israel for 80 years. Can you imagine that? God took a man who was hindered in his right hand, who was in his right frame of mind, and used him to lead Israel for 80 years. 80 years he chose to do that. Let me ask you a question. What keeps you from thinking that God can't use you? What is it that keeps you from thinking, there's no way God could use me? What lies do you believe by Satan? that you could never be used by God? What lies do you believe by those who may be closest to you that says you can't be used by God? You know what Paul said? And I quote this verse all the time. It comes right before he tells us how to become a follower of Jesus. He says, don't you remember, basically, he says, that you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So the question is, can you deliver? Can you deliver? You know what the answer is? Yes. Yes, you can deliver. The only question left to answer is, will you? Will you? Will you allow God to use you to deliver those in their sin, in the stronghold or in the stranglehold of something in their life, and they're waiting for a deliverer to come and set them free? We may not be able to save them, but here is, we can sure tell them about the one that can. Or we can help them in the midst of their difficulty, whatever it might be. In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation, a chance for you to respond to what you've heard. I don't know your situation in life. I don't know what Satan's been telling you. I don't know the lies that you've been listening to. What I want you to do in the next five minutes as the the praise team makes their way up. Y'all come on up, guys. As the praise team makes their way up, here's what we're going to do in the next three or four minutes. I want you to silence the critics. I want you to silence the lies. And I want you to listen to God.
And I want you to say something very simple. God, how can you use me? It may be He'll use you in your school. At Tennyson, Midway, Waco, University, wherever you go to school, Oglesby, Lorena, Robinson, China Spring, wherever God may you go. It may be that He wants to use you in your workplace. Maybe He wants to use you in your neighborhood. Or let me throw out a wild idea. Maybe He wants to use you in His church. I want you to ask that to God. Say, God, where can you use me? And listen to Him. Listen to Him. If you pray, if you ask it earnestly, with sincerity in your heart, you'll hear a still small voice in the back of your head. And He'll tell you.